If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Amen. I want to start like this, and it's maybe on a very somber note, but I think all of us would agree tonight that there is something terribly wrong with the human race. Now is your moment to turn to someone and tell them, I think there's something wrong with you. Take that moment. I would also like for you to turn to that same person and tell them, you're not the problem, I am the problem. It's not about you, there's something terribly wrong with me. <laughs> I think all of us would agree if you look through history books and you just see what's happening in the world right now, you would agree that there's really something terribly wrong with us. We can't explain it. We don't know what it is, but throughout the ages, we have tried to fix what has been broken in us. It even started in the garden with Adam and Eve. They sewed fig leaves together to cover for their shame and their brokenness. Psychology is trying to figure that out. Education is saying, let's just educate people so that they would be better. Science. All of these facets of life is trying to figure out what is wrong with the human race and how to fix it. Even religion is trying to get pathways to our original intent with pathways to God to figure out what is wrong with us. Even in the Christian faith, we have this central theme of what we call salvation or being saved to try and explain that there is something we need to be saved from. And maybe you've heard it in church many times. The preacher would say, this is the moment to give your heart to Jesus. Have you ever heard that? Give your heart to Jesus. Some of you grew up with the idea of repenting, repenting and turning to Christ, repent and turn from your sin. Others, like me, I grew up in a church where Sunday evenings was the hellfire and brimstone preaching time. So the guy would stand up there and for an hour, 60 minutes, thank God that I only preached 30 minutes. You can really thank God that for that every evening. But he would preach for 60 minutes every Sunday night on the wrath of God in hell and how you would burn. And I mean, I was a young guy. So, you know, young men, um, we have things that we go through. So every night, Every Sunday night, I would sit there and again put up my hand to be saved. I was always unsure, fearful of, am I really saved? Because this guy is trying to explain to me what's going to happen if I'm not saved. And I definitely don't want that. Um, I always think about these preachers. You know, if you give a person the choice between, do you want to go to hell or heaven? Nobody's going to choose hell. Anyone? Okay, no, don't put up your hand right now. <laughs> Maybe you grew up in that kind of thing. Maybe you understood the thing of being born again. You need to be born again. And the preacher would week after week tell you to be born again. But we are starting this series, and I think the main driving force and motivation behind it is this. 
we see that many Christians today live with a sense of not being sure if they are saved. You live with a sense of doubt when it comes to salvation. You know, can I really be sure that I'm saved? And if I'm saved, what really, how does that help me or change my life right now? The Bono group actually did some research on this and they found that the average Christian came to salvation 24 times. <laughs> and the reason being because we're unsure. We're not sure if we this time really saved. See, what many times would happen is you would come to a church service, you would be in a very bad place, and the preacher would say, the answer to your problems is you just need to get saved. And I think for many of us, this has been a struggle in our Christian walk. Can I really be sure? You know, is that one prayer that I did and the kneeling and the crying, was that enough for me to know that I'm saved? I want to take you to a scripture that's the overarching theme, I think, for this sermon series in Romans 1 verse 16. And we actually sang it now where Paul writes, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation. That word brings is very important. That brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God to save. Now, here's the thing. In this series, we want to make sure, <coughs> sorry, dry throat. We want to make sure throughout this, this four weeks to help you get to a place where you can be sure that you are eternally saved, that your eternity is in Christ. We also want to clarify out of the word the thing on baptism. Uh, many times we have struggles and questions with regards to that. We also want to help you understand that salvation is not a moment. It's a process. And we're going to speak on this thing of I am saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. So in the next four weeks, we're going to unpack some of that. And also, we want to help you to understand what the implication of salvation is in your life. I thought, let's start out like this tonight and bust a few myths when it comes to salvation. So I said, many of us at one stage in our lives, we were at a very bad place, something terribly went wrong, or you're struggling through a few things, and the pastor says, this is the solution to all your issues. Just get saved. So you come, you kneel, you cry, you confess, you pray, everything, and it's going great until the Thursday. I don't know why Thursday or Friday. And then you realize, okay, I was so fired up. I was so emotionally involved and invested in this to turn my life around, but I could only get it right for four days or five days or two weeks. And on Sunday again, you feel like you've lost some of that, you know, being saved kind of thing. And you're disappointed because all your problems did not disappear. All your sin did not leave you. Your behavior didn't change overnight. And let me just say, for some people, salvation does imply that your behavior changes immediately. I've seen that. 
But for many of us, that's not the case. You see, the myth about salvation is this, that it will fix all your problems. That everything that you struggle with will be gone. The truth about salvation, it's not a quick fix for everything that's wrong in your life. It does not imply for some of us immediate behavior uh, a change. You see, if that was the case, I mean, why would we be sitting here? Then we could all go home. We would be perfect. It seems like you guys think you're not perfect, so you're coming back every week. And that's the truth about salvation. Some of us have messed up in life. You've sinned so bad that your own conscience is like drained. You're like, I am messed up. I've disappointed God. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And then salvation seems like the place where you can make it up, you know, with God. So your idea of salvation is this. And I hear this many times. I will try my best to do X, Y, and Z, to live the Christian life. And I know if I convince God enough, he will save me. You usually hear that with baptism. People would say, we would invite you to be baptized. And some of the people would say, no, 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 I'm not ready yet. I still need to sort out a few things. Then I will get baptized. Friends, here's the flashlight for the night and the flash card. Salvation is the starting point. Baptism is only the beginning. It's the place from where we start our faith and our walk with God. It's not a quick fix. It's not just emotional manipulation and you feel better. No, salvation is first and foremost not so much about you and your brokenness. Your salvation has got much more to do with God's story of redemption over all the human race. You are fitting into that, but first and foremost, your salvation is not about your issues and your sin and your pain. It's about His glory. Your story fits into that. And here's the incredible thing, and I hope you remember this throughout the series. Salvation is a gift. It's a gift. You can't manipulate God to save you. You can't impress God to save you. It is purely an act of His love and of His grace. It's a gift. It's not by our good works. There's not a debit and a credit side in heaven. And one day God will add it up and see if you will be saved. No, listen to Ephesians 2 verse 8 where Paul says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. Listen to this. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's as if Paul is saying, listen here, salvation is actually coming to the place where you are so fed up with your own attempts to fix this brokenness inside, that you call out to the Savior and say, God, I have no resources. I have no idea how to fix myself, but I trust that you can do it. And it's given as a gift of grace in our lives. It's a gift 
You see, you don't have to do much to receive a gift on your birthday. You just need to wake up. If you have terrible friends, they would decide if they want to give you a gift because you've been good or bad. I think that's called Santa Claus. <laughs> Salvation is a gift. And I want to help you tonight to understand what changes when we are saved. Can we be sure of the fact that we are saved. So firstly, what changes when God gives you this gift of salvation? The first thing is this. You get a new position in him. Let me shock you tonight, friend. Your biggest issue in life is not your sin. It's not your pain. It's not your brokenness. It's not your trauma. Your biggest issue is the fact that you are disconnected from God. You see, that's what happened in the garden. That moment where Adam and Eve chose to just put God on hold for a moment. To create distance between themselves and God. They chose a pathway that is separated from God. What happened? They were kicked out of Eden. Separation. Disconnection. That is our biggest issue. Sin is but just a symptom of that in our lives. That we are disconnected on some level with our Creator. So you have to understand if you are outside of Christ, you are disconnected from your Creator. You are disconnected from God. And let me say it. And uh, maybe you've never heard a sermon on hell in Doxadeo. Well, after tonight, you can tell people, we preach about hell. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm going to preach about hell for a moment. What is hell? What is your, your definition or your picture of hell? Fire, brimstone, pain, torture, zombie movies. <laughs> like forever. More. <laughs> what is hell? Hell is this. It's when God finally gives a human being what he ultimately wants. Separation from God. Disconnection from God. The most painful, the most gruesome experience for any human being is to be disconnected from his creator for eternity. Even now, there are people that are not saved, but they still love, live under a bit of grace in this season. But one day, God will give that person what he ultimately wants. Disconnection. That is hell. So get the fire and brimstone out of your mind for a moment. And just think for a moment what life would look like in eternity being disconnected from your Savior. What happened in Christ? What happened at salvation? What happened at the cross and the resurrection? What happened when Christ gives you the gift of salvation? He saves you. He gives you a new position. You were once alienated. You were once separated, disconnected from God. But now, listen to Colossians 3 verse 3, 
Paul says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I brought an illustration to try and explain this. And so many times in the New Testament, Paul referenced this idea of being in Christ. You might not be the sharpest pencil, but in salvation, God places you in Christ. Where Christ goes, you go. That's why when he died, you died. When he was raised up, you were raised up. When he ascended into heaven, you ascended into heaven with him because you are in him. You live in him. You breathe in him. The Christian life is a life in Christ, hidden in him. We have a new position. Here's the question. If you sin as a Christian, where do you sin? Outside of Christ or inside of Christ? Friend, here's the, here's the truth. Many of us have this definition of the Christian life. Yes, I'm in Christ, I'm saved. But now I remove myself out of Christ and I mess up. Luckily, I can get back into Him again. When I repent enough, when I cry enough, when I again come to salvation. This is not the Christian life. The Christian life is one. If you sin, you sin in Christ. That should give you, firstly, hope. That's why when a Christian sins, it's not eternal. It's not definitive. It's not your end destination. Because there's grace in Christ. There's forgiveness in Christ. There's righteousness in Christ for you. Pardon of sin. There is actually resources to handle your wrongdoing in Christ. Yes, Eugene, but does that mean that I can now sin, you know, whenever I want because, hey, I'm in Christ. Everything will be okay. No, Paul says, no, you're understanding it wrong. It actually, this motivates us to leave sin. This becomes the power in your life to overcome sin is the fact that you live in Him. That you are hidden in Him. John 14, Jesus says, On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. That's where you belong. You belong being connected to your Savior, to your Creator. That's where you are destined to be. You are fully human. You are the most human when you are in Him. He is the prototype. That's why God became a man. When you are in Christ, you are the best version of yourself. You are hidden with Him in God. Does that mean you're perfect? No. You're still a pencil for now. But you have a new position. Second thing is, not only do you have a new position, you you become a new person. 
2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, something happens to him. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You become a new person. You get a new identity. No longer are you guilty, condemned. You are declared righteous before God. No longer are you a slave to sin. You are free in Christ. No longer are you a debtor. You are forgiven. You are debt free. You're no longer an enemy of God. You're a friend of God. You're, you're no longer a stranger. You're a son in the house of God. That's where you belong. That's why the Bible says, John chapter 3, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Sometimes this image we struggle to understand it, let's be honest. I'll try to dial it down for myself. You know, I'm a maths lit guy. So I want to understand the simplicity of this. All of us carry within us a genetic code, DNA. All of us. If you look at me and uh, you see my mother's family, you would exactly know where I come from. The Prince Louis. I carry the surname Lombard, but I am definitely not a Lombard. I look like the Prince Louis. All of them has these things when they get 30. They are short, a bit short-tempered, a bit, you know, wise-ass. We are, that's who I am. I come from them. I carry their genetic code and their DNA. The same in terms of your spiritual life. You carry a genetic code and DNA in your spirit, spiritual side of your life. You get it from a grand, 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 granddad called Adam. The one who chose to be separate from God. So as you are born, you know, body, soul, spirit, your spirit is disconnected from God. You inherit that from Him. I really feel for Adam one day in heaven. That guy is going to be bombarded with questions. <laughs> what kind of fruit was that? You know, was it a banana? Was it a pear? Or is it a heavenly fruit? So your issue is not the fact that you sin. Your issue is actually inside you is a genetic code of a sinful nature. It's in you. You can do nothing about it. You can't get it out. You can't deal with it. You can't fix it. But when God saves you and he places you in Christ, something happens on your inside and with your spirit as well. That's why we say you are born again. Now, not from the genetic code of Adam anymore, but now your genetic code spiritually comes from Christ. He's the firstborn among many brothers, says the scriptures. He's the son of God. He's the prototype. We carry his spiritual DNA. Not only are we in him, but he is in us. We carry his spiritual genetic code within us our lives. That's what it means to be born again. So many times in scripture, God gives people new names. Why? Abram, Abram, 
which, mean, which means father of the Ammonite people, to Abraham, which means father of many nations. There was a moment of salvation, a new destiny, a new purpose, a new identity. Jacob, his name means deceiver. God comes to him and says, I will call you Israel. You have a new identity. God fights for you. Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, just by the way, and I've preached on this many times, means the flat-nosed one. So obviously there was a drunk uncle that said, ah, check that guy out. He's got a flat nose. And Jesus comes onto the scene in a moment of salvation. He says to him, Simon, son of Jonah, no longer are you called that. I call you Peter, rock. It's a change in identity. We become a new person. Lastly, new position, new person, new process. You see, before you were in Christ, you were on a pathway. The pathway of being more and more disconnected from God. And yes, that leads to hell. Where God would finally say, if that is what you want, you have it. But in Christ, a new process starts. A process of renewal. A process of becoming like the one that you are in and that is in you. Becoming what your spiritual DNA and genetic code is producing. Again, does that mean you are sinless and perfect? No. You live in flesh and bone. If you don't know it, wake up call. You're a human. We said in the beginning, you're broken. You have issues. But if you are in Christ, listen here, year after year, day after day, you are being made new. Slowly, it's a process of renewal. It's a journey of renewal. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 6. I'm certain that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ's return. If you are in Christ, you're on a new pathway. The pathway is life, eternal life, being made new, being connected to God for eternity. I hope you hear what I'm saying. So many times we have reduced salvation to just simply be a better person. Overcome your struggles. Overcome sin. But listen here, you have a new position. You are a new person. And actually this process of we call it sanctification. It's a big theological word of becoming more who you are already in Christ. He already decided to save you. He already knows what you're going to be. But now you are in reality becoming what you are already in Christ. I know your tenses are smashed up, but this is back to the future, baby. He 
He has his mind made up about you. My question is, who can take you out of Christ? Can you? No, because you didn't place yourself in him. Can the devil? No. He has to come through Christ. And we know that he's victorious. The devil is disarmed and defeated. Who can take you out of here? No one. Sin? No. Death? No. Troubles? No. Suffering? No. You are secure in Christ. I would love for the worship guys to join me. And uh, we're going to respond with the last song. A song of celebration. But as I, as I prepared this and as I'm preaching it tonight, I, I don't want to miss an opportunity in your life. And I don't want you to miss a, an opportunity to be sure that you are in Him, that you are saved. Yes, Eugene, but what should I do? Give me the list. So many times in the New Testament, people come to Jesus, they ask Him, Lord, what should I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? What should I do? That's always our question. What should I do? What's the next step? Let's make it about my effort again. Let's make it about my works again. What can I do to get saved? Nothing. It's a gift. All that you can do is come to the place of knowing that I can't do this. I need a savior. I can't fix what is broken inside me, but he can. So I fall into the hands of God. That is the summary of salvation. I fall into the hands of a loving God. There's this video that I watched a few weeks back. It's a guy preaching and he's preaching on the thief on the cross. The guy who cursed Jesus. And then at one moment when he realized who this guy is, he just said these words, Lord, remember me. Remember me. And this guy, this preacher actually explains in a bit of a narrative kind of way, what would happen if this thief enters heaven? He's here now, okay. Thief on the cross. He comes to the gates of heaven. Angel welcomes him. Great. How did you, how did you get here? Um, what's your story? I don't know. I don't know how I get, got here. Angel is like, okay, um, maybe I should call my supervisor. Michael, Angel Michael, Archangel, come. It's like, he's got a big voice. Son, uh, just want to make sure where you stand on the doctrine of justification by faith alone, by grace alone. Sorry, never heard of it. Are you baptized as a baby or as an adult? No, I don't even know what baptism is. Sorry. To which church did you belong? What is a church? 
the angels are puzzled. Like, okay, whoa, how did you get here? Like, tell us, how did you get here? And this thief just says these words. The man in the middle cross said I could come. That's how easy it is. Jesus is mine. I am his. The man in the middle cross said I could come. My friend, I hope you feel that the pressure is off. All that you can do really is to trust in Him, to have faith that Jesus can really do this and that you go of that kind of control that you are keeping to try and figure this out. That you just fall into the hands of God. I think that is maybe the most difficult thing for us is just to say, God, remember me. Remember me. I have nothing to boast in. I have no good works so that you will be impressed with me. All I have. The man in the middle said I could come. Let's close our eyes for a moment. And I, like I said, I don't want this moment to just, you know, go on and you didn't have a moment to respond. If you experience tonight that, that desire of I need to be connected to God. I'm living disconnected from Him. That desire in you comes from God alone. The devil won't give that desire to you to be disconnected, or to be connected to God. Jesus says it's the Father that draws people to Himself. Jesus also says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to convict of sin and righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit that is doing this work in you, this desire, this awareness of I want to be connected to God. Like I said, there's nothing to do. There's only a response to say, Lord, here I am. Remember me. I fall into your hands. I trust you. I'm not going to read a sinner's prayer tonight. Sometimes we rely on these human mechanisms to try and comprehend what salvation is. Friends, salvation is from God. Salvation is a gift. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. But it's beautiful. It's life-changing. And I want you to maybe be brave tonight. And I, if you read the scripture, you would know that to actually publicly say, God, here I am, is actually important. I don't want to embarrass you, so all the eyes closed. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I want you to respond to Him, your Savior, if you are in that place tonight. Won't you for a moment just stand up right where you are in your seat? All we want to do is pray for you. We have a few leaders that are ready. 
to pray with you. We're not going to do weird things to you. Don't stress. We just want to pray for you and hear your story. going to pray for you. You are going to pray on your own. So if you're standing right now, won't you just take that moment? Surrender. Here I am, Lord. I fall into your hands. I'm tired of doing this by myself. I need a Savior. Lord Jesus, you are our Savior, our Lord. God, none of us can save anyone. That is your doing. It's what you do. God, tonight we surrender ourselves. We rely on you. We fall into your hands. We pray, Lord, remember me. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Remember me. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, You would give us a new position in Christ tonight. A new identity in Christ. A new process that is starting in our lives. Of renewal. Of reconciliation. Of righteousness before you. We worship you Jesus. We worship you for that. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.